Besides church, it's the Wednesday night Glean podcast where we discuss topics about the Word of God and what's going on with the world, and we want to see people's lives change. So if you're watching, you know what to do. If you're on Facebook, you hit the like button, then go over and hit the share button. That's your way of spreading the gospel, and all you got to do is click a button. It's that simple. You can change somebody's life by just clicking a button and sharing on your page what we're talking about now, if you're on YouTube, you can share it through text uh, and you can like it. Let us know you're there. Also, remember to comment. Let us know you're watching, where you're watching from. And also, if you have any questions, uh, if it's live, we'll answer them uh, as soon as we can on the show. If not, if it's after the, if it's after we've already recorded, maybe a couple of days from now, but you got a question, still put it in the comments. We will get back to you so that we and answer the questions in a timely manner. But anyway, without further ado, I am excited about tonight. We've got a very, very, very special guest, even more special than my dad. I have to say it that way, but it's true. Anyway, without further ado. We're going to welcome my mom, Pastor Sherry Barbie, here tonight. We're glad to have you with us. And uh, back in the 80s, I believe it was the 80s, right, when you was with Women's Aglow? Yes. Uh, and this is after, of course, uh, Roe versus Wade had been passed. But you really uh, got, I believe, a conviction from the Holy Spirit. And you began to study and about abortions and went in and got facts and and scripture and uh you went around we went i remember going to some different places uh and you would speak in churches and different places on abortion that was in the 80s correct yeah we even went to west virginia and yeah different places a lot of churches very interested in right right and i thought it would be a great idea to have her own tonight because she has a lot of the information that the media, of course, don't want us to know. Uh, they always like to to push the real truth to the side, um, you know, and it's like I, I was hearing today, even with uh, AOC and Kamala Harris, I can't really figure out which one's dumber uh, because one will speak and I think no, she's got it and then the other will speak and I, I'm, I'm between the two, but even with AOC being a congressman for New York, congresswoman, let me correct that, and Kamala Harris being the vice president of the United States, they have both came out of their own mouths and said this is unconstitutional. Now, I have read the Constitution and went back and read the Constitution. There's nowhere in the Constitution of the United States of America where abortion is is in the Constitution. It's not. It, it, it's not a matter of, of federal uh, decision. It shouldn't even be decided on from the federal government. 
And all Roe versus Wade did was put it back in the state's hands. And I was, you know, we were talking earlier, and I heard a, a, the lead singer for Green Day, which, <laughs> anyway, uh, he announced in, in he was doing a concert in U, the UK, and he announced publicly during his concert that he was uh, denouncing his citizenship to the United States, and he was going to move to the UK, and he said a few choice words about America. Uh, but it just shows their, their, how ignorant they are because, one, he lived in California. They, their laws are not going to change. Mm-hmm. They still will have all the, you can kill as many babies a day as you want, any way you want, nobody's going to say anything. But he's moving to the U.K. who has more stringent laws against abortion than America mm-hmm. does. Um, and then, like, I think Trudeau uh, in Canada has said that women can come to Canada and get an abortion, but because it's their body, their choice, but they have to be vaccinated. So I don't know about their body, their choice anyway. Uh, But what I wanted to do tonight was give you an opportunity to share with our viewers, our listeners, some of the facts that haven't changed throughout the years, the 50 years that Roe versus Wade was in effect, um, some of the facts that they're not going to find uh, on Google or on uh, different search engines because it's stuff that is hidden uh, because they don't want you to know the truth. And part of the truth is it's it's not a... Abortion, it, it, the Democrats, the left, they keep wanting to say it's about women's rights. It's about no, they don't care about women. They could care less about women. That there's other reasons why they're so pro-abortion. And I just thought we'll take some time, and you just go ahead and get started uh, with what you want to share uh, about abortion and and the facts about abortion that people should know. Okay. Um- well, he's right about the Supreme Court justices. They, uh, what they're there for is to uh, stand up for the Constitution mm-hmm. and to make sure that the United States is going by the Constitution. Right. So there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion. So what they did in 1973 with Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional. Right. They should have never p- passed that. Right. Well, now they've passed it on. I mean, they've uh, overturned mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. But it's left up to the states now. So we've won a victory, but yet uh, we've still got a lot of fighting to do. Um, Just like a lot of the states, like you said, California, New York, and even the state we live in, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. In North Carolina, abortion's still legal. I'm going to read this to you. North Carolina, abortion is still still legal. The only limitations being the requirement of written consent from the parents or guardians and it must be performed by a licensed medical doctor before 20 weeks, unless it will mortally impact the life of the health or the mother. Other states will eliminate abortion to continue to make it legal without restrictions throughout pregnancy. The battleground will be in state legislatures across America. The power will now be in our voting hands, but so will the blood of the unborn should we choose to abort abortion to continue. Right. So we need to contact our legislatures uh, and let them know how, where we stand and how we feel 
Right now we have a governor, Roy Cooper, who Mm -hmm. believes in abortion, and that's why North Carolina still has abortion and has uh, little restrictions to it. Um, The person we need to put in office is Mark Robinson. Right, absolutely. If you've ever heard Mark Robinson speak, he's an awesome, awesome speaker, and he stands up for what's right, and he stands up for the Constitution. And um, I don't know, you know, how— People can, like these young girls that march, and they march uh, saying, my body, my choice, mm-hmm. and they say that I have a right, don't take my rights away from me and all this. And they they look like they're 14, 16, 18 years old, and I'm thinking, well, well, what if your mama exactly had I had made that choice you mm-hmm. wouldn't be here today yeah but yet you're you're marching proudly saying you know we should have this right mm-hmm. and um people say uh you know that y- you shouldn't uh you should allow abortion in certain cases I do believe if it's between the um life of the mother or the right. life of the baby it's okay for the mother t- right. to save the mother mm-hmm. um but I do know of many of other cases where people have been raped mm-hmm. and they wouldn't have the baby, they would have an abortion. But, uh, you know, James Robinson, he's a great minister. Mm-hmm. He's impacted the world. And his mother was raped. Mm-hmm. And she decided to keep her baby. And, and look what has come out of it. Yeah. I mean, he's an awesome yeah, well, minister. And even st- statistically, uh, when you do the research, it's less than, I believe, 6% of babies aborted are aborted because of uh, incest or rape. Right. Other than, there's over 80, I believe it's 88%, uh, somewhere in that number, 88, maybe a little lower, but probably a little higher, um, that the number one reason that women had abortions was because they didn't want to mess up their life. Right. Or they had, uh, they had consensual sex with a partner, but it wasn't who they wanted to be uh, to raise a family with. So, you know, for people to, you know, on the left especially, or even people that's uneducated in abortion to say, well, yeah, but what if they're raped? Well, but what if what if it's incest? Well, that's such a small percentage of abortion. You know, if that was the only reason, then abortion may not even be this big of a topic. But when you're talking almost 90% are just out there, what what we've done with Roe versus Wade and legalizing abortion is we've given young men and young women the the privilege of just going out and having illicit sex with anybody and everybody, and then there's no consequences. You know, and I believe as us as believers, you know, yeah, we're not going to do that, but to federally fund abortions— you're taking my tax dollars and making me a believer of Christ, a follower of Christ that is against murder, pay for the murder of an unborn child. You know, and I, I think Ronald Reagan said it best. Uh, a quote he said was, it's amazing that all the people that are for abortion have already been born. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, I think that's a very key topic is us as Christians. The fight's not over. Uh, just because we've won Roe versus Wade, it's time to get into our state legislators, put people in that uh, that believe like we believe and are going to stand for the unborn child because they don't have a voice. That's right. When they passed Roe versus Wade, it gave uh, people 
uh, well, really of all ages, because it seems to me like the older people don't have any sense today either. No. But uh, it gave, uh, especially younger people, it gave them, instead of it um, being an abortion being out of necessity, what they did was they turned it into a birth control. Mm-hmm. Well, if I get pregnant, I'll just have an abortion. Right. And and so, I mean, a lot of them that are marching talk about they've had four and five, six, seven, mm-hmm. you know, and it don't matter to them. Yeah. But if they knew, you know, that that baby, sometimes people think, you know, that the babies don't feel anything. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's a lie. Right. The baby does feel pain. The mm-hmm. baby does hurt. The baby crawls up inside the mother as far as she can get to get away from the instruments that they're trying to root, uh, to use to, mm-hmm. to kill it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to show some of those videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the development timeline of a baby. And in the first month, just 22 days after fertil- fertilization, the baby's heart begins to beat. At six weeks, many organs begin to form. The embryo's heart motion can be seen on an ultrasound. Back when Roe versus Wade was passed, they didn't have ultrasounds. Right. Doctors that were doing abortions were kind of like but- butcher mm-hmm. clinics, and and uh, they couldn't see what was happening to that baby when it was being born. They just thought it didn't feel anything, mm-hmm. which is crazy because I've been I've had two boys. Mm-hmm. You're one of them, <laughs> but I've had two boys, and I think it was the most amazing thing when. Uh, the, uh, the, my babies begin to move around and mm-hmm. kick, and they say they do flips, and yeah. they begin to suck their thumb, and they begin to, you know, um, uh, do all kinds of things. Right. And, you know, you can tell what sex is going to be now mm-hmm. that they have ultrasounds. So I think it's made it harder on doctors to do abortions unless it's just a doctor that's wanting to break yeah. in a lot of money, right. you know, do it for money. But anyway, it says the brain is divided into its three main parts and respiratory and digestive systems are forming. Upper and lower limb buds appear. Now, that's the first month. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're saying in some places that you can have full-term abortions. Right. Okay. At the second month, at eight weeks, the embryo begins to make spontaneous movements. Just four days later, bone formation begins in the jaw, the collarbone, Embryo has distinct fingers and can hiccup. Ovaries can be identified in girls. And then in the third month, thumb sucking begins as well as the ability to grasp things, open the mouth, sigh, and stretch. The face, hands, and feet can sense light, touch, and babies begin to form their own unique fingerprints. The fourth month, the taste buds form, gender differences, and behavior can be depicted. Females move their jaws more often than males. Uh, poking a needle in the baby's abdomen can cause a stress hormone to be released at a baby at four months old. And then at five months old, a baby can perceive pain. Hair begins to grow. The inner ear is fully developed. The fetus can respond to a growing range of sounds. Then in the uh, sixth month, this is considered the age of viability because survival becomes possible for babies if something happens and causes them to be born early, mm-hmm. they can live outside the mother's womb at six months. Mm-hmm. And then at seven months, the baby can produce tears. And then baby at eight months, the babies can, uh, they put on weight the last few weeks of development. And then in the ninth month, the baby has reached full term and ready to be born. And so that shows, you know, that they, they feel from mm-hmm. almost the very beginning of conception. Right. And um, 
we're going to show some of the videos now. Uh, we're going to show first. We're going to show the D and E abortion and what they do to a, a baby and to that mother while um, she's having this kind of abortion. And what is the, the D and E? Is that a just a procedure or what they call that uh-huh. type of abortion? Yeah, it's like a D a DNC. Right. Like they go in and. Um, cut the baby apart and then right. suck the baby out. And uh, most babies, you know, babies are born head first. Right. When they do abortions, they start with their feet. Right. And which that means before they can get all of the baby out, they have to crush its head. Right. And just real quick before we cue up that video, um, not with these videos, but some of the stuff we're going to be showing tonight uh, may be a little bit uh, graphic for uh, younger, younger audience. Uh, this is more geared for adults. Uh, so I just want to throw out a viewer discretion if you have any young children. Uh, me personally, if you've got teenagers or older, they need to watch this because they need to know what's going on in our world and what the left and, and the Democrat Party and, and people are trying to push on American people uh, and it's murder. So if you're ready, you can go ahead and roll that first video. My name is Dr. Kathy Altman. I'm a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist with almost 33 years of experience, and I've completed over 500 abortions. Today I'm going to describe a second-trimester surgical abortion called dilation and evacuation, or DNE. A DNE is generally performed between 14 and 22 weeks of pregnancy. Before a DNA abortion can be done, the cervix must be dilated slowly over one to two days with laminaria or a similar product. Laminaria is a type of seaweed that absorbs water and swells to several times its original diameter. When the woman undergoes the evacuation portion of the procedure, she lies on a table with her legs in stirrups. She may be given injections of local anesthetic in the cervix, IV conscious sedation, or general anesthesia. The abortionist uses a speculum to open the vagina and uses an instrument to stabilize the cervix. Metal dilators may be used to further open the cervix if needed. Once the cervix has been stretched open, a cannula attached to suction tubing is placed inside the uterus. The suction machine is then turned on and the amniotic fluid surrounding the fetus is suctioned out. The fetus is too large to fit through the cannula, so he or she must be removed in pieces with a clamp such as this sofa clamp. A sofa clamp is made of stainless steel and is about 13 inches long. At the tip, there are rows of teeth for grasping. The abortionist reaches into the uterus with the clamp and tries to grasp an arm or leg. Once the abortionist has a firm grip, she pulls forcefully in order to remove the limb. Piece by piece, the abortionist removes the arms and legs, followed by the head or the body, including the torso and pelvis, along with the intestines, the heart, and the lungs. The placenta is also removed. If the cervix has been overdilated, the body or even the entire fetus may be pulled out intact. Usually, the most difficult part of the procedure is extracting the fetus's head, which at 20 weeks is about the size of a large plum. The abortionist must open the clamp widely to grasp the head and then crush it so that it will fit through the cervix. The abortionist knows he has crushed the skull when a white substance, the fetus's brains, 
leaks out through the cervix. The abortionist then removes the compressed head. Any remaining limbs, organs, bone fragments, or pieces of placenta not removed with the forceps are removed by scraping the uterine lining with a large curette or by reinserting the suction cannula. The abortionist then reassembles the fetal parts to make sure that there is nothing left inside the uterus which could cause infection or bleeding. Once all the parts have been accounted for, the bleeding has been controlled, and all the instruments have been removed from the vagina, the abortion is considered complete. For the woman, this procedure carries the risk of major complications, including perforation or laceration of the uterus or cervix, with possible damage to bowel, bladder, or other maternal organs. Infection and hemorrhage can also occur, which can lead to death. Future pregnancies are also at an increased risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related physical trauma and injury to the cervix. As I mentioned at the beginning, I used to perform abortions. At the time, I truly believed I was helping women. After the birth of my daughter, however, I realized that abortion doesn't just end a pregnancy. It kills an innocent human being. Such terms as zygote, embryo, or fetus are simply terms that refer to age, like infant, toddler, and adult, and do nothing to diminish the humanity of the child. As I cared for women in my OBGYN practice, I also learned how abortion harms women. I stopped doing abortions because I could no longer kill babies just because they were unwanted. I am now a pro-life advocate. I am proof that anyone can change, no matter who they are or what they've done. I invite you to join me and make a decision to protect the preborn. Thank you. Uh, pretty graphic, uh, but I think it, people need to see that because that baby feels that. That baby yeah. senses that pain and it don't understand what's going on and it has no way to fight back. Um, but basically with that one, they're saying they inject a type of seaweed in into the woman that causes it sucks up the water mm -hmm. and causes her to, to dilate. And then they go in and, and s evacuate or suck the parts out. And it just like with a vacuum clean. Yeah. And then they have to put the body parts of the baby out on a tray mm -hmm. to make sure they've got everything. Got so they have to kind of look at those pieces, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's pretty sickening. If you notice that the first two and I, they, of course, like I said years ago, when Roe versus Wade was first passed, you know they didn't care anything about whether the mother heard or the mother didn't mm -hmm. hurt. They just almost had like butcher clinics. But you notice when this video first started that it said they gave the mother they put something in mm -hmm. the mother so that she wouldn't feel pain. Mm -hmm. but it didn't say anything about they gave the baby right. something to prevent its pain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing where. They don't want to discuss these things, but it's, you know, and they, they get into this whole thing about, uh, you know, and, and if I'm not mistaken, it, during a pregnancy, up until Roe versus Wade come about and up until abortion become an issue, there was no such thing as trimesters. The trimester was put in so that they could legally justify a certain age or, or time period, I guess you would say, uh, during the pregnancy of when they could or could not do an abortion, uh, which, you know, even at now, they're, you know, 
basically, I think in California, you know, they're pretty much okay with you can have the baby and why it's laying there, you, you know, make your decision. Actually, I looked that up today, and in California, they're trying to pass a law. They haven't passed it yet, but they can lay the baby in a baby bed, a bassinet, for four weeks. Mm. Then they can decide. And I did have a video on that, but we couldn't seem to find it tonight. But they then after they do that, if the mother decides she don't want that baby, mm-hmm. then they stick something in its neck. Uh, it, it, it tell, it, on the video, it tells what the name of the instrument is. They stick it in the neck of the baby and let the all the fluid in the brain drain mm-hmm. out until the baby's dead. Mm-hmm. And you know a full-term baby, four yeah. weeks old, is going to feel that. Yeah. And... Um, uh, it's just, it's wrong. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know how anybody can think that feel that having abortions or doing abortions is the right thing to do. Right. And we've got, you know, plenty of scriptures. I know everybody's not Christian, but mm-hmm. we've got plenty of scriptures to back up that, you know, God formed us. And I, I'm wondering, you know, how many great people mm-hmm. could have been if they had not been Yeah. Aborted. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then we have... Do you want us to go to the next Yeah, we can one? go on to the next video. The next one's the suction abortion. It's a DNC. All right. My name is Dr. Beverly McMillan. I'm a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist with 45 years of experience, and I've completed around 500 abortions. Today, I'm going to explain a first trimester suction DNC abortion, also called vacuum aspiration abortion. This is typically used up to 14 weeks of pregnancy. When the woman goes to the facility for the abortion, she will lie on a table with her feet in stirrups, and she will be administered local anesthesia. The abortionist will place a speculum like this inside the vagina and open it, allowing the abortionist to see the cervix, the entrance to the uterus. The cervix is grasped with a long metal instrument to stabilize it. A series of metal rods called dilators, like these, which increase in thickness, are inserted into the cervix to dilate it, gaining access to the inside of the uterus where the fetus resides. The abortionist then inserts into the uterus a hollow plastic tube with a hole in it called a cannula and attaches it to suction. If the embryo is small enough, the cannula can be attached to a syringe, and manual suction alone will remove the embryo and placenta from the uterus. Otherwise, the cannula will be attached to a suction machine. The suction machine is turned on and the abortionist slowly rotates the cannula inside the uterus. The fetus is rapidly torn to pieces as it is pulled through the cannula and tubing into a large glass bottle, followed by the placenta. Sometimes smaller embryos are pulled through intact. Occasionally, the abortionist must remove the cannula and pull out body parts that have clogged the opening to complete the abortion. Once the abortionist thinks everything has been removed, she will sometimes use a long metal curette to scrape the lining of the uterus to make sure no parts are left behind. An incomplete abortion can cause infection or bleeding. Once the uterus is empty and the bleeding is under control and all the instruments are removed, the abortion is considered complete. But before the patient leaves, the tissue must be examined to make sure the placenta and all the body parts are accounted for. Two arms, two legs, a spine, a skull. 
The risks of suction abortion include perforation or laceration of the uterus or cervix, potentially damaging intestine, bladder, and nearby blood vessels. Other risks include hemorrhage, infection, and in rare instances, even death. Future pregnancies are also at a greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma and injury to the cervix. As I said at the beginning, I used to do abortion. In fact, I helped to open the first abortion clinic in the state of Mississippi in 1975. At that time, I thought abortion was what women needed, and I was totally oblivious to the life of the child. But one day, I looked at the remains of a 12-week-old baby boy that I had just aborted, and I thought to myself, what is the difference between this little boy and my own four-year-old son? I came to recognize that abortion doesn't just end a pregnancy. It kills an innocent human being. Now I am a pro-life advocate. I am proof that anyone can change, no matter who they are or what they have done. I invite you to join me and make a decision to protect the preborn. And that's another kind of basically the same, just a harder suction, you know, uh, from what that looked like. I mean, I think anybody that wants to have an abortion so they would know what that was going to feel like, just go stick your hand in a food disposer or a blender and just turn it on for a minute. But, uh, you know, these women that have had done these abortions, they're, they're seeing, even though they did them, Eventually, it, it, it registered in their mind, you know, what, what's the difference in this baby and, and mine, you know, and, and looking at the complications. Uh, I mean, every one of them talk about uh, it could cause future complications uh, for pregnancy. Uh, it could cause intestinal damage, I think she said. And, you know, that's the, the big thing that a lot of these people are saying, well, I—, I you know, I want to have an abortion because it don't right now in my life. That's not a uh, <clears throat> something I need. It was it's going to interrupt my lifestyle. And you know, my thing is, well, if you're worried about a child interrupting your life, then don't have sex. Exactly. And like I say, I know these pro-abortion people are going to come in. Yeah, but what about incest? What about rape? Like we've said earlier, that's that's less than six percent of abortions done in America are incest or rape. Over eighty to ninety percent is because they can't afford it. It messes up their lifestyle, or they had it consensual consensual sex with somebody that they don't want to raise a child with. And and this is not uh, a lot of times people when they look just at abortion that it's all about bashing women. But no, there's a lot of men out there that uh, force their women, their partners to have abortions because they don't want it to interrupt their lifestyle. And, you know, my whole thing is, is if you don't want a child to interrupt your lifestyle, then you, you got to you got to go all the way back to don't have sex before you get married. <laughs> Wait till you're married. That's when it was created, what it was created for the marriage bed, you know, but it's just uh I think even as time has gone, our society is getting grosser and grosser at the things that it accepts and how they try to rationalize or uh, condone what they believe and accept. 
Well, I'd, I'd like to say that I'm just really proud of these doctors. And mm-hmm. there's so many yeah. of them that are coming forth and, and they're, um, they're, they're uh, pro-life now mm-hmm. because they, uh, we have more technology than we had before. And they can actually, sometimes when they use the ultrasound, which I said they didn't have back years ago. Right. But when they leave that ultrasound on, there've been many nurses that helped with abortions. And when the doctor would forget to turn the ultrasound off and they Mm -hmm. would see what was happening to that baby, they didn't do any more abortions. They quit Mm -hmm. their jobs. The doctors quit their jobs when they saw what was happening. Right. And so I'm just so proud of them. But another thing is a lot of uh, women, like you said, they say, you know, they don't want that baby to inconvenience their life or they're not ready to have a baby or they don't have a support system. Mm-hmm. But I went over to the um, Pregnancy Crisis Center. Every county has a Pregnancy Crisis Center. Right. They are awesome. We, I think we have um, maybe close to 2,500 in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, I went in the one in Albemarle uh, about a week ago, and I'm telling you, they had so much stuff to help a new mother with a baby, that it, it they had more stuff than Walmart. Wow. It was unbelievable. They said, would you like a tour? I said, yeah. And uh, so we went around. They had clothes. They had baby formula. They had items, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, you need, uh, strollers, uh, car seats, uh, anything you could want, mm-hmm. go to the store and buy. And they, they counsel these women when they come in. They're trying to decide— do I want to have an abortion or do I want to have this baby? Right. So they counsel them mm-hmm. and um, uh, uh, they uh, counsel them with the word of God. Mm-hmm. And they also counsel them with just common sense, mm-hmm. you know. And so a lot of the women, or a lot of the young girls, after they've been to the pregnancy crisis center and they see what support they get. And they support them after the baby's born. They can mm-hmm. go back and get clothes for them and the things that they need for them. And I'm telling you, they had beautiful clothes mm-hmm. there that, you know, any mother would be proud to put on her baby. So I'm thankful that we have these places, these support groups. So when young girls uh, think, you know, well, I don't have anybody to help me. Churches will help you. Mm-hmm. Most churches will. Right. You know, I know our church helps a lot with stuff like that. Right. And I'm, I'm proud of, um, you know, some, some of the women that or some of the girls that maybe have got pregnant, not expecting to, that mm-hmm. maybe came here to our church, but they kept the baby mm-hmm. and they had that baby and we supported them mm-hmm. and we, we, uh, helped them with the things that they needed, you know, and that's what we have to do as Christians. We don't just, uh, put them down and bash them and, right. and, and, treat them like they're trash because they're just as important that God created them and they have a plan and a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for their life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if they keep that baby, God is going to be so proud of them Mm -hmm. and he will help them to raise that baby the way it needs to be raised. And so I'm just thankful that we have doctors coming out and we have these pregnancy crisis centers that people can go to and get the help. And if there's anybody in this area that needs to go to one. It's in Albemarle, and it's uh, at the West End, mm-hmm. I think. It's right beside Jazzercise, uh, and the, those women there are so helpful. They right. will help any way they can. Yeah. And uh, one thing I've always had a desire or a vision for uh, is uh, I would like to see, uh, I would have liked to have had on our church property, right. I would like to have had a building that contained on one end 
young women or mm-hmm. women that were expecting babies mm-hmm. that didn't, they chose not to have an abortion, right. but they didn't have a, a father that supported mm-hmm. them. And that's another thing when you mention fathers, sometimes they don't even know about it. They right. don't even have a chance. They yeah. don't have to, they don't ask the father to sign a paper. What if that father yeah. wants to keep that baby? Mm-hmm. And that maybe that's where they don't like being called birthing mothers. You yeah. know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like every father should have a choice mm-hmm. in what's uh, happening too. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've always thought it'd be neat to have a, have a, the women, the pregnant women that are expecting and take care of them on one side and then have a, nursing home on the other side mm-hmm. and let the women that are expecting babies right. work in the nursing home. Right. And then after they have the babies, you know, they'll, yeah. it would be like little apartments mm-hmm. and they could uh, take the babies over to visit the people in the nursing home. And older people love babies. Oh yeah. And you know, nothing would thrill them any more than for mm-hmm. women to be able to come yeah. over there. And not only would they have a job, you mm-hmm. would, uh, the, the church could, you know, um, train them in a, Mm-hmm. job uh, and that and then let them live in that apartment after the baby's born for right. about a year mm-hmm. and then move out and they would have the skills to go mm-hmm. get a job outside as we take in new mothers yeah. you know yeah and so i mean i just always thought that would be a good thing to yeah. have yeah yeah and you got what's the next video the next there? one is abortion pills and i'm telling you this one really uh really surprised me i i didn't i didn't know the morning after pill was as as serious as it is, but it's pretty, it's pretty serious. And of course they use it for birth control. Uh, and a lot of people are under the assumption, uh, and even I was a little bit till I researched the morning after pill, mm-hmm. I thought that it would just immediately just stop mm-hmm. the pregnancy, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. No. It, it is, uh, it, it's, it's very nasty. And when they expel, they can see the baby <laughs> and the baby parts as the right. baby as the baby comes out of their body. So right. you can go ahead and play that one, Josh. My name is Dr. Noreen Johnson. I'm a board-certified obstetrician gynecologist with 44 years of experience, <coughs> and I've completed over 1,000 abortions. Today, I'm going to explain how the abortion pill works, which has been approved by the FDA to be taken up to the 10th week of pregnancy. Although many abortion facilities use the pill off-label for weeks after that. The abortion pill regimen consists of two steps. Step one, at the abortion facility or at home, the woman swallows mefepristone pills. Mefepristone blocks the action of a hormone called progesterone. Progesterone is naturally produced in the mother's body to stabilize the lining of the uterus. When mefepristone blocks progesterone, the lining of the mother's uterus breaks down, cutting off oxygen and vital nutrients to the embryo, who then dies inside the mother's womb. It is important to note that even after it has been taken, it is possible to stop the effects of the mefepristone and save the embryo if progesterone is administered. If the woman wants to stop the effects of the mefepristone, she needs progesterone as soon as possible. Step two. 24 to 48 hours after taking mefepristone, the woman takes misoprostol by placing the pills in her cheeks. She will experience severe cramping, contractions, and heavy bleeding to force the dead embryo out of her uterus. The process can be very intense and painful, and the bleeding contractions can last from a few hours to several days. 
While she could lose her embryo anytime and anywhere during the process, the woman will often sit on the toilet as she prepares to expel the embryo, which she will then flush. She may even see the expelled embryo within the pregnancy sac. After she has disposed of the embryo, the woman may have bleeding and spotting for several weeks. Bleeding lasts on average 9 to 16 days. 8% of women bleed more than 30 days and half a percent require hospitalization because of heavy bleeding. The failure rate increases as the pregnancy progresses. At eight weeks or less, the failure rate is two to 6%. At eight or nine weeks, the failure rate is four to 6%. At nine to 10 weeks, the failure rate is seven to 9%. At 10 to 11 weeks, the failure rate is 13%. If failure occurs, she will usually be offered a surgical abortion in which the embryo or remaining tissue is removed using suction. For the mother, abortion pills often cause abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headache, and heavy bleeding. Maternal deaths have occurred, most frequently due to infection and undiagnosed ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic pregnancy is when implantation occurs outside the uterus, usually in the fallopian tube. As I mentioned in the beginning, I used to perform abortions. At the time, I truly believed I was helping women. I initially stopped doing abortions to save my reputation. I was becoming known as a town abortionist, and I didn't want that. Later, however, I came to recognize the inherent value and dignity of all human life. That's when I truly saw the ugliness of abortion. No, I am a pro-life advocate. I am proof that anyone can change, no matter who they are or what they have done. I invite you to join me and make a decision to protect the pre-born. Thank you. It's real good. That is real good. Um, and real quick, for anybody watching, any young ladies or anybody that knows anybody, especially in our area, Stanley County, we put a link to Stanley County Pregnancy Crisis Center in the comments. So you can go there. You can be able to get information. And if there's any church churches watching besides ours, uh, any pastors watching, if your church is not supporting the Pregnancy Crisis Center in your area, uh, take a few minutes and find out where it is. Go by, visit with them, uh, make yourself known, and find out what they need. Support those areas because it's one thing for us, I believe, as Christians to come against abortion and come against uh, Roe versus Wade, and we rejoice when it's done. But, you know, then after that, it's like, well, you know, you're on your own. You can't have to. No, we have to. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost the church, but that's okay. You can't put a, a I mean, what, what's, how do you put a money, monetary value on a life? Amen. So we have to be able to support uh, pregnancy crisis centers and, and things like that. It's like, so I say again, it's one thing to be against something, but once it's overturned, now we need to put our money where our mouth is and make sure that these pregnancy crisis centers adoption agencies, whatever it is, that we can support them, that they have everything they need so that we're giving these unborn children and these new mothers uh, every option possible 
to give that baby life. Yes. And also, I'd like to say that if if you're listening to us and you've had an abortion, we're not condemning you for right. that. We we uh, God has forgiveness, and um, He forgives you. And um, a lot of women even have PTSD after right. having abortions. Uh, they not only are affected emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. It affects every aspect of their life because, and, and I've heard testimony after testimony. I have friends that have been through it. I have, uh, and you know, that say they wish they'd never let it happen, mm-hmm. you know. But um, the abortion pill that we just talked about is a lot more dangerous than than women think it is, or right. especially the young teenagers think, oh, I'll just go get the morning after pill. But you see what it can do to you. Mm-hmm. It can cause death. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you have to go through that trauma of seeing the baby pass, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and um, to me, I think that would be very, very stressful. Right. And so pe- young girls especially, you need to think twice before you take that morning after pill. It's not a birth control pill. Right. You take the birth control before so mm-hmm. that you don't get pregnant and, and have a baby. And you need to be careful, too. I, I was finding this out, something else I didn't know. Excuse me. But there are some uh, birth control pills that are not uh, good as far as what it does to the uh, the woman or what it does to the uh, the baby as it's being formed to block it. So I think there's some of those, and, and I, you know, if you're going to be on birth control, uh, do your due diligence and, and research what pills, what they do, and what what are the effects, you know. Yeah. I think people need to know that as well. Yeah. And the next one we want to watch is induction. All right. My name is Dr. Patty Giebink. I've been a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist for over 25 years, and I've completed thousands of abortions. Today, I'm going to describe induction abortions, generally done from 22 weeks to term at 39 weeks. Because the child is so large and developed, an abortion procedure at this point takes two to three days to complete. And due to the risks and the need for monitoring, this procedure is generally done in the hospital or a surgery center. On day one, mifepristone is given orally. Mifepristone blocks the pregnancy hormone progesterone, causing the lining of the uterus to degenerate, starving the fetus of vital nutrients and oxygen. Mifepristone alone doesn't necessarily kill the fetus, so fetal demise is often induced beforehand. This is often only done for babies 20 weeks or older. A syringe with a large needle is filled with a drug called digoxin. Digoxin is used to treat heart problems, but an overdose of digoxin will cause fetal cardiac arrest. A long needle is inserted through the woman's abdomen or vagina, and the digoxin is injected into the fluid surrounding the fetus under ultrasound guidance. The fetus doesn't die immediately, which is why this is normally done one or two days beforehand. For the drug to be more effective, the abortion doctor can also inject the digoxin directly into the fetus, targeting either the body, heart, or umbilical vein. Potassium chloride can also be used to induce fetal demise more immediately. The fetus usually dies within 24 hours of the injection of digoxin. If the fetus doesn't die within 24 hours, the injection can be repeated. Death is normally confirmed by ultrasound before the start of delivery. On day two, 
24 to 36 hours after the mifepristone, the woman is given misoprostol either orally or vaginally, causing her to go into labor. The misoprostol dose can be repeated every three hours up to five times. Usually, after 24 hours of starting the misoprostol, the woman will vaginally deliver the fetus. If the woman is having trouble delivering, she may be given a synthetic hormone called Pitocin to promote labor. Once the fetus and the placenta have been delivered and the bleeding is under control, the abortion is complete. Complication rates increase as the fetus grows. The major complication from induced abortion is incomplete abortion in which pieces of the fetus and placenta are left behind. This requires surgical intervention. Other complications include cervical laceration, infection, hemorrhage, uterine rupture, and even death. Future pregnancies are also at a greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma, including injury to the cervix. The purpose of an elective abortion is to ensure the delivery of a dead fetus. On the other hand, if a baby is wanted and the mother's health is in danger, the obstetrician induces labor or does a C-section and will have a neonatal specialist present to take care of the baby. As I mentioned at the beginning, I used to perform abortions. At the time, I truly believed I was helping women. Over time, however, I realized that abortion doesn't just end a pregnancy, it ends the life of an innocent, unique human being. As I cared for women in my OBGYN practice, I also learned how abortion harms women. I stopped doing abortions and I became a pro-life advocate. I am proof that anyone can change, no matter who they are or what they have done. I invite you to join me and make a decision to protect the preborn. Thank you for watching. And there again, you know, that's another one that shows up to, what does she say, 39 weeks? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that you can, I mean, at, at 39 weeks. This tempo, let's take it up another uh, level, more urgency. Oh, excuse me, I had a little glitch there. <laughs> but at 39 weeks, I mean, to me, that's, <laughs> that's almost the same as full term. full term looking at a child outside the womb and saying, you know, I want to put a chemical on you that will, you know. And still has to have the baby. Yeah. Still has to go into Goes labor. through all the procedures. Still has to, but yep. Yeah, just don't want that responsibility of a child. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty disgusting. I've got two more uh, procedures I'd like to. I don't have videos for right. them, but Josh has one picture he can show. And it's called the salt poisoning abortion at 19 weeks or sometimes later. And... uh this method is done after 16 weeks when enough fluid has accumulated in the sac around the baby. A long needle is inserted through the mother's abdomen into the baby's sac, and a solution of concentrated salt is injected into it. The baby breathes in and swallows the salt and is poisoned by it. The outer layer of skin is burned off by its corrosive effect. It takes over an hour to slowly kill a baby by this method. And if the mother is fortunate and does not develop any complications, she'll go into labor and about one day later will deliver a wretched, dead little baby, such as the one I think you're looking at it, Josh, right? He's showing it. Josh is showing it. And then another one that I don't have uh, the picture up on is called the cesarean section abortion. And the, um, the baby... Uh, it's already at this point, the baby's already sucking its thumb. And, um, uh, you know, it's big enough. It probably could live outside the, 
mm-hmm. the womb. And uh, the baby in the picture that I'm looking at was uh, two pounds. And she was uh, uh, delivered by cesarean section. And when they cut the cord, do you know what they did? When they cut the cord and she was cut free from the mama, they dropped it in a bucket and left it to die. At this age, they all move, move, breathe, and some will even cry. Mm. And so in the 1970s, when they first uh, approved abortions that they were all, all right to do, mm-hmm. they, in New York, they um, found 4,000 babies that had been aborted like this, that mm-hmm. were just dropped in a bucket, crying, and left to die. They take the mother off to another room and take care of her. Mm-hmm. She's in intensive care, and they take good care of her, but that baby's just thrown in a bucket to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, it's I don't care how anybody I mean anybody that wants to argue abortion, they can argue till they're blue in the face, but it is it's demonic. Yes, uh, it is absolutely demonic. I've watched some videos of of these liberal snowflakes melting down uh, on Twitter or on uh, Facebook or whatever, and and these women are screaming and crying, and and if you watch it good enough, if you've ever if you've ever dealt with a, de- a demonic spirit in a person, uh, you can look at these women that are having these tantra tantrums, more or less, on on social media. It's demonic, and you know that that's the big thing here. That, that Satan's not happy. That's why they you're seeing all these people scream and cry about this, and they're talking about you know we're killing women. We're not killing women. We're saving the unborn women's lives. You know, we're, how, many, how many scientists, how many doctors, how many preachers, evangelists, you know, how many people that had inventions that could have helped change the way we live got aborted because their mom didn't want it or dad-to-be didn't want it to cramp their lifestyle? I mean, it's just it's, it's pitiful. This is by another doctor, and this is before uh, they could tell— this is after they could tell that a, a baby, that the fetus, the baby does mm-hmm. feel pain. And he says abortions have been filmed before, but this one was different. Usually you see the fetus only after it has been killed using um, a new uh, technique that shows the outline of the child in the womb thrashing to resist the suction device before it tears off the head. Then you see the dead child dismembered and the head crushed. Then the parts are sucked out. Nobody who sees this film will speak again of painless abortion. The doctor who performed the abortion couldn't bear to watch the film at the end. He rushed out of the room where it was shown and never performed another procedure, though he had performed several thousand before this. Mm. But now I can give you scriptures that you can stand on. They say, you know, what does the Bible say about abortion? And um, it says... uh, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto nations. That's in Jeremiah 1, 5. Then in Jeremiah 7, 5 through 7, it says, For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in mm-hmm. this place, neither walk after other gods to your heart. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. 
And then there's another one that says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of the children of Ammon, and for four I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they have ripped up the woman with the child of Gilead, and that might so that they might enlarge their border. That's in Amos. And then one other I'd like to share is, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Galatians 1.15. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, there, there, I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, I've heard say, you know, well, uh, you, I understand you're a Christian and, and you're, trying to go by your Christian uh, morals and, you know, what they don't realize, you know, basically what they're saying is don't cram Christianity or force me to be a part of it. Well, I'm not forcing you to be a Christian. I just want to keep you out of hell, you know. Uh, but the thing is, there has been 60, what is it, 63 million, I think, abortions in the last 50 years. In America alone? At least. You know, yeah, know and I of. think that number's, yeah, that we know of. Um, and and I know people are concerned about, well, what about women that's now, because they're not legal, going to go to these backwoods, back alley, barbaric, what, you know, what they need, that's why they need to understand that abortion, it don't matter if it's uh, done by a doctor or it's done by a, a hatchet man, it's murder, and and it's wrong. And you know the thing that other thing that aggravates me, and I just got to thinking about this is they're pro-abortion. It should be able to kill a baby. A baby is not considered a life until it's born. But yet, if a woman is killed in an accident or murdered and she's pregnant. The, the perpetrator can be charged with double homicide. So is it life or is it not? Now, I think, mm -hmm. hey, I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. if, you, if a pregnant woman dies mm -hmm. by murder, whatever, that person should be charged double homicide. There was a child inside that belly. But yet when the woman don't want it, oh, well, it's not a viable sore. It's not a life. Mm -hmm. So it's a double standard yeah, that they're not, they're not seeing. It is. You know. Yeah, I don't know how they cannot see how they contradict themselves. You know, we listen to the news and we hear about that and we say, well, they charge them with two murders, but yet they go and murder the babies themselves, yeah. you know, or legalize Yeah. But I don't know how much time we have left. Well, you uh, just go, keep going. Uh, there was one thing, uh, the way I wanted to end it a little bit is the diary of an unborn child. Mm -hmm. Is that all right? To yeah, do Absolutely. Okay. It says, uh, today my life began. My parents do not know it yet. I'm as small as a seed of an apple, but it, but it's, it is I already. And I am to be a girl. I shall have blonde hair and blue eyes. Just about everything is settled, though, even the fact that I shall love flowers. Some say that I'm not a real person yet, that only my mother exists. But I am a real person, just as a small crumb of bread is yet truly bread. My mother is, and I am. My mouth is just beginning to open now. Just think, in a year or so, I shall be laughing and later talking. I know what my first word will be, Mama. My heart begins to beat today, all by itself. From now on, it shall gently beat for the rest of my life without even stopping to rest. And after many years, it will tire, it will stop, and then I shall die. 
I am growing a bit every day. My arms and legs are beginning to take shape, but I have to wait a long time yet before those little legs will raise me up to my mother's arms, before these little arms will be able to raise, be able to gather flowers and embrace my father. Tiny fingers are beginning to form on my hands. Funny how small they are. I'll be able to stroke my mother's hair with them. It wasn't until today that the doctor told my mom that I'm, a, I'm living here under her heart. Oh, how happy she must be. Are you happy, Mama? My mom and dad are probably thinking about a name for me, but they don't even know that I'm a little girl. I want to be called Kathy. I'm getting so big already. My hair is growing. It's smooth and bright and shiny. I wonder what kind of hair Mom has. I'm just about able to see. It's dark around me. When Mom brings me into the world, it will be full of sunshine and flowers. But what I want more than anything is to see my mama. How do you look, mama? I wonder if mama hears the whispering of my heart. Some children come into the world a little sick, but my heart is strong and healthy. It beats so evenly. You have a healthy little daughter, mama. Today, my mother killed me. <clears throat> yeah, that's, and you know, I, I just got thinking, and, and I shared this a little bit at Father's Day, but you know, I, I've I've done some pretty cool achievements in my life. I've got a lot of training with the fire department, EMS. You know, I was a fireman in Charlotte. I've actually delivered about five, six babies myself, and it's not in a hospital. I've uh, been in the back of cars and things. Um, but out of all that achievements, and, and I've stood in platforms and preached to, you know, uh, crowds of a hundred or up to you know eight hundred to a thousand people. None of those compare to me being called dad, to me being a father and raising two children. And you know, my, you know, Skylar, she's twenty four. Jacob's eighteen. They're not babies anymore, but they're still mine. And you know, to to even fathom a thought that I could have gotten rid of them. You know, me and Amanda could have said, nah, we don't want them. You know, it, it's, I, I just don't see how, you know, people can, uh, I just don't see how they can compartmentalize that maybe in their brains, how they can justify. There's not a, uh, like you say, unless a doctor would come and say, there's been complications and we're going to either have to save the child or the mother. Well, I believe you automatically default to the mother uh, just because, I mean, the Bible says in Genesis, for this reason shall a, a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It's about being a husband and wife and, and replenishing the earth. It's about raising a family. You know, uh, I would rather be able to try with my wife again than to have a child and try to get another wife, you know. But at the same time, you know, like you had talked about a little bit earlier, you know, hats off to to all the moms that that are single that has raised children. I mean, hats off to you. And there's some instances where moms have had the, the babies and then they left and the dad raised them. Hats off to you guys. Um, but as a church we all need to to make resources available to these people so that they can make informed decisions, they can make godly decisions, 
and know that there's a support system out there for them, even if they don't want the child. There, I know I know of people right now that's trying to have children and can't, would love to be able to adopt a child. We need to make sure that's affordable, make sure those are options for people so that that, that child is still born and that we can do as much as we can to sustain life and give everybody because we're supposed to be the home of the free. Well, murdering 63 million innocent is not free, you know, so we need to make every option available for these people that are out there, these young mothers that are mothers to be that are making those decisions that, that here, here's what your options are other than abortion. Hey, Wes, let me chime in here for a second because this kind of hit a little bit of home. Um, when we had our daughter, y'all y'all know the story, but just, yeah. just for the audience that don't that's not aware of the story is our daughter was born with a uh, spinal defect. Um, and this is currently after the ultrasound, after you hear that heartbeat. And then you watch sort of these videos that we watched tonight, and it kind of hits home because me and my family were given that option. Right. You know, we were given that option to say – this life is not important. Right. You know, um, and the facility that we went into, basically, th- I, their primary objective was to, to take away the baby. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not a, it's not an abortion clinic, right. but it was a facility that that's what they did. And whenever we told them drop dead, we're not doing what you <laughs> yeah. say to do then uh, it, it became really apparent that we weren't going to follow that and we were going to lean on God taking care of the situation right. and the circumstance. But, yeah, it really hit home because I just – when I saw those videos, it's like how can how, – how, how is it that even a mother hearing that ultrasound want to proceed? Yeah. You know, and I know they're doing steps and now to allow the mother to hear those types of things. Mm-hmm. I think it gives them a sense of, like, that's a that's a heartbeat inside yeah. of you that you have a heartbeat, and at any time it's like somebody saying that you could die. Yeah, it, it, you know, not to be grotesque about it or anything like that, but it's just really real just to watch that video. And I I know some of these procedures, and it's you know it's it's appalling, it's gross. Um, I feel I feel sorry for the mothers. I feel sorry for the children that we've lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other stigma that that hurts this is that. Um, Regardless of, of what people say, and this is not a racial thing or anything like that, but I'll say it because I feel like it's important, is that this has hurt the ethnic communities of our, our, of our African-American community yeah. and Hispanic community uh, and, and even Caucasian community, you know, because yeah. these are lives that matter. You know, yeah. they matter in the sight of God. Yes. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, I, I, it's just troubling that, you know, you could have had— you know, I see, I also take, for instance, whenever I saw that baby sucking his thumb, my son, he's, uh, he shouldn't be sucking his thumb right now, but he still does. <laughs> so he's been doing it since he's been in the womb, but it it just, it just goes to show you like, you know, that it just hits on a different level. And I hope, I hope the viewing audience sees that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it the whole thing with like Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, 
they're talking about Planned Parenthood is not just about abortion. They do so many other things. Well, if they offer, if they really offer so many other things, then why once Roe versus Wade was overturned, are so many of them shutting down just like that? Why? Because they don't offer other stuff. That's where pregnancy crisis centers come in. That's where churches come in. You know, uh, but when you look at it, like with Margaret Singer, you know, she said herself, you can look this up. She quoted it, or it's quoted from her actually saying it, that these were to be put in urban communities to control certain populations of, of, of ethnicity, certain groups. It was made to control that. Mm-hmm. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wrong yeah, it's on so many levels. You know, so Planned Parenthood is, is not these women's buddies and pals that they think they are. They're just trying to control their population. Right. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, just in closing. Well, I, I can relate to what Josh was talking about. Uh, because uh, when I was carrying you, mm-hmm. uh, I started having complications about the third month and um, went to the doctor and he told me I was, my body was trying to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. That uh, And I, of course, started crying and he said, uh, well, you really want to. He said, if your body gets rid of it, said, um, that means something's wrong with the baby. Mm-hmm. Or, said, or he said, you know, we can help you. Right. you know? And I said, no, no, I'm going to, carry this baby full term if I can. Mm-hmm. And so I carried you full term. And the only thing that was wrong with you when you was born was you had an eye that turned in mm-hmm. and there was a muscle that had was too big. Mm-hmm. And then when you were five years old, they cut that muscle right. and fixed the eye mm-hmm. as best they could. So look what I would have lost if I had to listen to what they said. So I can understand a little bit about what Josh is saying because you know, they their thinking was something's wrong with the baby. Right. So if you don't want to deal with a baby that's got a handicap, yeah. just go ahead and get rid of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, so many people, uh, they're, because they can tell now a baby may have this complication or a baby may have that complication, uh, you know, and you don't want to do that, uh, you can go ahead and abort it. If they're willing to do that now, who's to say the way the world's going that eventually if you have a child and at four years old they come down with some kind of disease, you as the parent has the right to, to, to go ahead and just murder them, kill them, because it, it, it's yeah. not fair for them to live, mm-hmm. and uh, financially you, you can't support that child. you know. But uh, in closing, is there anything uh, you'd like to say? Just— have you pray for the mothers? Yeah. Have have them, you know, that they'll have a change of heart. Yeah. If they're going to have an abortion, that they'll, you know, um, have a change of heart and love that baby. Yeah. Well, let's do that right now, and and you pray, okay. pray for all the mothers. Okay. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and Father, I lift up all the mothers that yes. are expecting, Father God, and I just pray that you bless them. I pray that they understand that we're not putting them down. We're not uh, wanting to trash them, but we're wanting to encourage them to have these babies, Father God. And also, there's so many people that want to adopt a baby. Father God, I just pray that you would make adoption easier and cheaper so that more people can adopt babies. And sometimes that will give the mother a, a reason to go ahead and have this baby so that somebody can love it and raise it and bring it up in 
and uh, be good to it. And we just thank you, Father, for taking care of them and give them all the, um, ever what they need, Father God, to help uh, decide to keep this baby as they go to the pregnancy crisis center, that they see, Father God, that they've got support, that they've got help, that they find a church that will support them and help them, Father God. And give all of us wisdom to know what to do and yes. how to act in these situations, Father God, and to help these mothers and to help these babies. We love them, Father God, and we know what your word says about it, and we want to be obedient unto your word. And so we just thank you for speaking to each one of these mothers that are in uh, in trying to make a decision of as to what they're going to want to do or what they're going to do. And that, Father, we pray that they will make the right decision, Father God, and that is to let that baby live. And so we just thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And again, real quick, uh, if you're in Stanley County, uh, the link is in our comments. Also, uh, the videos that you watched, if you want to go back and watch them again or show them to somebody else, or maybe you know a mother that's going through this, the link's there in the comments. You can show these videos. Again, I want to thank my mom for having me, but I, I want to also thank you for being here tonight, sharing the wisdom that you have with this. I know it's blessed me. I believe it's blessed others. And guys, listen, remember to share this. You can change somebody's life, and that is our desire is to see people's lives changed by the power of God. How do you do it? By sharing our podcast on your walls, letting people know Jesus loves them and he'll be the best choice they'll ever make. Until next week, have a blessed week, a happy fourth, and we'll see you next Wednesday. God bless. 